HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because, to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes and reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, or you can follow me on social media at thefoodballer. Today's episode number 40. I've done this 40 times. Pretty good. Uh, and I'm joined in the studio today uh, by none other than Ben Sargent, uh, who I would describe as a, uh, he might describe himself differently, but a uh, surfer, chowder maker, fisherman, TV personality, lobster pusher, uh, and, and a host of a show that used to be here on Heritage that I don't know, I think it might still be in the archives, Maybe. I might be able to find it, <laughs> uh, called Catch It, Cook It, and Eat It. That's that was right. all about fish. Yep. So welcome, Ben. Thanks for, Thanks. Uh, for joining Thank me. Thank you. I just realized you have a hinge on your arm. I don't think I ever saw I that. I do. I do. <laughs> well, you you know, you have an octopus on your shirt. Yeah, so. There we go. There we go. <laughs> or even and a lobster on your hat. That's right. Um, so uh, so uh, I've I've known Ben for a number of years, um, and I wanted to sort of start with like a, a little little anecdotal story about how I first <laughs> okay. came across you. Um, so I think the first time that I met you, um, I was living on Grand Street uh, and Driggs in Brooklyn, and a friend came by my apartment one night with a six pack and some chowder <laughs> and he said hey man there's this dude who's making chowder in this little storefront right off the l train off Gray. 
pigs. Oh, and been... he's got a tiny little stove in the storefront. Right. And he's got some different kinds of chowder. And he's a surfer. And he's got surfboards. And he sleeps above the stove. That's right. <laughs> so I, that must have been like what, like two thousand, two thousand or so. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I mean, I remember going in there for the first time. I was like, man, I got to see this place. It sounds awesome. So there was sawdust on the floor. It was nuts. And there was a tiny little gas stove, and you had this little sleeping loft above, and you had like three kinds of chowder every day. That's and right. it was called Hurricane Hopeful. Hurricane Hopeful. And it was literally there because the idea was that there's, you know, surfing out in Queens, and I wanted to open a surf shop. And I very quickly realized you were so ahead of your time. Yeah, man, I, I was like, doing like lobster rolls, like chowder, and surfboards. Everyone's like, "There's no such thing as surfing in New York." I'm like, "God damn it, yes, there is." And they're like, "There, we are not going to pay that price for a lobster roll, which at, lobster roll, which at the time was fourteen dollars, started at twelve. So, yeah. and yeah, and so I couldn't make a buck because my food costs were so expensive. Yeah. Chowder." So I ended up sleeping in this place. I had a secret, literally a <laughs> yeah, secret door. Yeah, it was insane. I remember, I remember insane. going. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, tell me about how, so, so that got started mm-hmm. because you, you know, had what, where did the idea for Hurricane Hopeful come from? Since it, that was my first encounter well, with you. before Sandy devastated New York. Sure, you wouldn't want to call it that. were not such a threat in New York. Right. It was more like, oh, cool, it'll bring some stormy weather and maybe some big waves. Um, so yeah, so people still laugh at my email address, which is still has that. And they're like, yeah. is that because you were hopeful that everyone would make it through the hurricane? And I'm like, <laughs> mm, kind of. <laughs> so, so, uh, back in, back in 2000, uh, you know, Williamsburg was obviously a different kind of place. Totally. Um, you know, if you were to set out to open a place like that today, I don't think you'd really, you wouldn't be able to do it in quite the same, uh, the same way. Definitely not. But I think there would be a line out the front door. Oh, I'm sure. I I'm mean, sure there you're, would. You're, you're absolutely right. There's no way you could pull up, pull off what, what I was doing back then. It no, was crazy. Not at all. So what, what brought you to New York? Um, mm. you were, you grew up in Massachusetts, yep. right? Yeah. Strangely, I would say art brought me here or sort of arty things. And projects, and uh, I think I I interned with a couple of artists in the neighborhood. Quickly found out that that is just not for me. Um, I just needed the sort of like I needed some community and I needed some socializing and working with a grumpy artist day in and day out in a dark <laughs> studio. Just <laughs> not hearing it. them complain was not for me. I was like, I would much rather make like less money and have some camaraderie and you know. Sure. That, that's all. Sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, you have sort of, I think, um, at least in, in, in what I've seen, followed a path of different sort of projects, right? Putting things together. You had Hurricane Hopeful. Yeah. You put together the Brooklyn Fishing Derby. Yep. And that's been going on for years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I would just first say that the only thing that keeps me in New York, because New York is a bitch to live <laughs> here, is so rough. And uh, I, except for the summertime, is kind of nice. But then it gets so hot. We're having just a like beautiful angry. day today. Yeah, today's amazing. This weekend is going to suck. But yes. we're having a good day today. Yes. So I think that that it is projects that keep me here because when you say to someone i want to start a fishing derby on the east river and we're going to catch massive you know east river fish they don't go you're out of your mind or it's not going to happen or whatever they're like dude let's do that that sounds rad and like there's nowhere else that i know of in the world where people get behind weird ideas like that right yeah yeah so Brooklyn Fishing Derby yep. is a fishing contest yep. that happens every fall. That happens every fall where, well, we basically go fishing along. The whole idea was to do a poor man's fishing derby where you didn't need a boat and to sort of shed some light on the fact that you can catch massive, massive game fish. Right. For me, it was 
two blocks from my house. Right. And I, the only reason I found out about that was I went to test a rod that I had bought because I was going to go to Cape Cod, which is my stomping ground. And I cast out a little, little plug. It's called a bomber. And I'm retrieving it just to see how the reel is working with the rod. And a bluefish nails it. First cast. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, I spent my whole life looking for fish, driving to Massachusetts. And going out in boats. Going yeah. out in boats. And at the very least to Long Island. And I was like, are you telling me that there are these fish here? But I thought it was sort of a fluke, not to make a dumb joke. Uh, yeah. but, but I threw it out again. And another bluefish hit. I was like, that's it. I don't even know what this is so, all about. So fishing in Brooklyn, then yeah. really, I mean, isn't there some kind of saying about like fishing is like a hundred percent waiting and then like 10% fish? Like I would know, say like, that is, that is true. But the nice thing about maybe it's all kinds of fishing, but particularly the Northeast when it's on, it's on. Yeah. And we have striped bass and we have bluefish, which there are not too many other fish that feed the way a bluefish feeds. It's sort of like casting to a school of piranhas. Right. And it's friggin' exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so when it's on, it's really on. Yeah. I, a guy the other day in the Rockaways came back with, he had caught like 25 bluefish in, you know, a matter of minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, what do you think about eating fish that come out of the East River? I think it's, I think it's totally fine uh, for the same reason that, it's unfortunately that fish is a migratory fish. Well, sure. it, fortunately and unfortunately, fortunate for you because you now have fish in your <laughs> in our shop. Yeah, yeah right. um, that that fish has a lifetime of going everywhere. Right. So, and, so, so the striped bass that we had in the case over the weekend that was caught mm-hmm. off Montauk mm-hmm. might have been in the East River. It last may week. have been a million places. Right. And the only thing that I would caution people against is that you would hope that in its last days before you eat it, yep. it was more towards Montauk and less yeah. towards Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. But that is the reality of the migrating fish. Uh, I wouldn't eat blue crabs out of there, eel, uh, porgy. Uh, any of those fish that are living there their entire lifetime, yeah. I would avoid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, when is the derby this year? The, the derby this year is temporarily on hold. I see because I have a massive nightmare in front of me, which I will just be taking care of uh, as soon as I leave this place <laughs> and say goodbye to you. That's why. Uh, just just to touch on that mm-hmm. briefly, and then we can turn the turn mm-hmm. to other subjects. Um, you had a, a sort of uh, a major uh, catastrophe, right? Your your house sank. My house sank. I live on a floating house, and my house not a boat, a houseboat. I mean, right, not, not a right. you know, not a sailboat. The thing sank. is, it looks like a house that yeah. is yeah. literally floating, sure. and it was floating. And uh, stupid me rented it out to some kids and expected them to abide by my rules, and they threw a massive party, and now. It's sitting at the bottom of the ocean. Welcome to my life. <laughs> so People if you look thought, at my life. You thought your yeah. apartment situation was rough. Oh, my God. I, and I was just at the point of thinking, like, I've made a really good choice to get out of, you know, my basement right, apartment. Sure. And, right. And, and live, on, live on the water yeah. and the Rockaways. Awesome. I mean, awesome. you know, it's all it's, good. I mean, I, I will say, you know, that uh, I mean, I that, <clears throat> that notwithstanding, yep. I think, you know, the Rockaways have definitely seen a real resurgence in the last 10 years of yep. people in the city yep. sort of understanding that there is a place that you can get to by the train yeah that has a really great beach 
and has a really great community. Right. And, you know, and and is a place that I think for a long time was ignored yeah. by a, a large portion of the rest of for, New York City. For good or for bad. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of us who were going there a long time ago. Sure. And before us, there were people who were surfing there and fishing there. And then there came this generation. I know I sound like an old fart here. That's okay. But there came that next, ge- next generation of people who was like, wanted to put their stamp on it. Right. And they brought what they think was good for the Rockaways. Sure. And I'm not 100% sure it was good for the Rockaways. Sure. I was pretty happy with the people who were out there. Yeah. And uh, us surfing with only a handful of guys. Sure. And just the vibe. Yeah. And, you know, for for certain people, I won't name them, but it feels better to be surrounded by a lot of people that look like them and feel like them. Right. But in my mind, they ruined the Rockaways. Sure. That's straight up. Sure. I mean, I, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I have to hope in the, yeah. you know, looking at the longevity of things mm-hmm. in the city that... You know, there will be a little bit of a correction, if right. you will, from right. that, right? right. So, so that, so that, you know, the well, whole, hurricanes the whole, do a great well, job. They, certain, they certainly do. <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. I mean, to, to use the hurricane as yeah, an example, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, going out there now, yeah. the boardwalk is so much nicer. It is than it was. 10 years ago it is it was a wreck 10 it is years ago and it was dangerous and it right. was nail sticking out of it and, totally and you know the fact that you know for better or worse mm-hmm. the, the 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 people who had brought business mm-hmm. out there yeah for that reason the city worked really hard after sandy to get yeah. it fixed yeah and so i think there is a there is you know there's a which give and take which there. i appreciate but from all of those from that standpoint that's sort of the business owners, like they're very happy that they brought all this cool food out there and they're making money and then, and, and, and. but for me, it was pretty awesome to climb over those nails and sure. to walk into, you know, five foot swell that's like barreling and there's nobody there. And you look down the line and there was like one or two other guys and you just gave that nod because you felt like you were sure. doing something nobody was doing. Sure. And it's like. That's always the New York trade-off. Like, every Absolutely. time you find something cool and you want to talk about it, I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty as sure. everybody else. East River fishing, you know what I mean? I mean, you talk about East River, you yeah. know, every time I take my kids to East River State Park, which right. is a great state park. Right. I mean, I used to go to Joe's Busy Corner mm-hmm. on the corner of North 7th and Driggs and get a sandwich yeah. and climb through the fence and yep. go sit on the beach yep. there. Yep. And totally. there'd be four or five other people exactly. and there'd be guys fishing at the end yeah. of the busted pier. And yep. we'd all be there in this incredible paradise. That's what I'm talking about. Looking at the city. That's and it wasn't a park. Right. It wasn't you a know, park. It didn't have any It was amenities. your park. Exactly. That was the difference. Yeah. For exactly, sure. you know. So and, you know, and Indian Larry thing. was part of probably right there with you. Yeah. He, that was his spot, wasn't yeah, it? I, totally. I mean, there him. were guys living out yeah, there, yeah, in yeah, campers yeah, yeah. and shit. Totally, so. totally. Um, well, you know, but but we march on. The city changes. It, the know. city changes, and I think that's part of it. Yeah, the city changes, sure. and you have to just sort of change with it. Yeah, or you can become a grumpy guy, which I guess I'm becoming. Well, we we can be both. <laughs> we can be grumpy and we can change with it for sure. <laughs> um, well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick we're gonna take a short break okay. here. Uh, and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, um, I want to talk about lobster rolls. Okay. i 
The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and today I'm speaking with Ben Sargent. Um, if you haven't seen Ben on TV or the Internet, I definitely recommend you check him out. Uh, ben had a show on Cooking Channel uh, for two seasons, three seasons? Three seasons. Three seasons called Hook, Line, and Dinner, yeah. um, where uh, which followed Ben on interesting adventures i mean he mm-hmm. talked earlier about being into projects that was a project right you took a motorcycle you rode it around the tv crew followed you you talked to people about fish yeah food i mean i think the only real reason that i ever ended up with a tv show realistically is not because i'm a good good cook or anything like that but because i was well maybe two things because i was doing uh illegal lobster rolls with my business partner dr claw yep uh, out of a basement apartment and probably something to do with, uh, I was the first episode of Throwdown with Bobby Flay. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know you were the first. I knew you were on that. I, I was on it. You were on the first I was episode. the very first episode. I walked into to a total trap. I had no idea what was going on. And they followed me around and they're like, oh, let's, let's, you know, check out your chowder making and we'll go up to the Hunt's uh, Fish Mart, Hunt, what's it called? Hunt's Point. Yeah. yeah. And uh, follow da 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 da. And then they're like, great, let's throw a party. You did awesome. So I'm throwing a party. And uh, a buddy of mine hands me a. Uh, a little bit of ecstasy. Now, <laughs> now I'm. Aha, so now, this is the gateway to television. Now I'm on. I'm on ecstasy. I have my literally. I'm like. I'm not even using a spoon at this point. I'm like de- up to my elbows in chowder, just mixing it with my hands. And uh, and fucking Bobby Flay shows up. I was high as a kite. That is <laughs> probably. So wait, I, I actually haven't seen the episode. Did you win? No, he beat me, but uh, I didn't even care. Right, I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> So it was probably some combination of all these strange things that got me, uh, you know, in the door and then quickly out of the door at the sure. Net- network. Sure. I mean, you know, television is such a weird, <laughs> such a weird business, yeah. such a such a weird media. So, so tell me, let's so let's talk a little bit more about lobster rolls. Yes. Um, so you, uh, you know, we talked about earlier about how, um, you know, way way before there was any, you know, before Red Hook Lobster Pound, before Luke's, before right. the lobster place was selling thousands of lobsters right. to tourists that are eating them all over Chelsea Market yeah. every day. I feel sorry for all those lobsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you were you were trying to sell lobster rolls uh, mm-hmm. to to people, and um, so why why lobster rolls? Well, uh, I grew up, you know, with a grandfather that probably knew seafood better than anybody in the world i was introduced to seafood at a really young age um and so i so so a lot of the fear was gone for me i didn't know how to cook anything else but seafood didn't seem scary right and um and in it's fact, interesting you mentioned yeah. that i mean I, I do feel like there's definitely you know having started selling seafood in the last mm-hmm. six months at the brooklyn kitchen mm-hmm. people definitely are afraid of it which Super i which i've never felt either and i don't yeah i don't know where that comes well, from and i i always say to people i'm like it's so easy because you don't have to put anything on it yeah. and it's going to be way better. And if you take it off five minutes earlier than you think you should, it's going to be done. Right. And it co- it. I mean, it cooks super fast. I know. That's right. It. I mean, you know, so, so 
so so that and I, I think that actually strangely at the time my grandfather would we would go out fishing. My dad too. We'd fish all day in October, you'd be freezing cold. And as a little kid, I just wanted to go take a hot bath and be done. But then they would be like, no, now we have to go dig for clams. So, like, literally, you'd like, put the boat away, and, like, we'd be walking up to the house, and, like, we'd go out. We actually had a, a, a spit that had amazing clams back now, not so much. But and, and so you'd be freezing, and your hands would be, like, so cold, and we'd have to dig some quahogs because they were going to make this, like, fish and clam chowder. And I right. think – and. Um, I don't know. It's always weird because I had that like New England waspy upbringing on the one hand, but like that was my dad's side, and then Jewish mom on the other. So there's some convergence of the two that I think got me like maybe into maybe into cooking in, in, in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so so you went mm. to lobster rolls. Correct. Sorry. So, were, no, I, I knew this was going somewhere. Yeah. The lobster roll thing for me was like. I felt I was legitimately pissed off because I had been doing them in 2000. They didn't sell. People didn't want them. They didn't know what they were. They didn't care. And suddenly, whatever, fast forward 10 years, however, when, yeah. whenever the lobster roll craze happened, yep. I was no longer in restaurants. I had broken up with a girlfriend and lost a restaurant. I had I was like, like, didn't know what to do with myself. And I'm in my shitty basement apartment going, like, twiddling my thumbs. And I'm like, you know what? I was like, these guys are not making a good lobster roll. I am going to make my version of a New England lobster roll. And so it was like I literally called my friend Rich. And I was like, I just opened an underground lobster roll company. And he's like, what? And I'm like, come over and try the first one. And he did. And he was like, dude, that thing was insane. And I will just say that I I will I don't make too many claims about what I do well. I still make the best lobster roll in New York. I've had better than yeah. what I make. Sure, it's one. There's only one place. Where it's is called, it? Are you, are you yeah, tell I'll tell. Or, no, or no, no. I'm happy to tell. No, I'm happy because I went there skeptical, not even knowing what it was. There was yeah. a James Beard Award, like rusted, hanging on the shack. And I'm like, that's got to be a joke. That's hilarious, right. right? I walk to the end of this pier, and there's a James Beard Award. And I walk in, and there's three women cooking away in the kitchen. And they show me the lobster roll, and it's round. So I was already like, no way. Right. Eh, 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 this is not going to be good. Yeah. And I took a bite of that thing. And I, I, had, I was in full operation at that point. I was doing 250 lobster rolls out of my apartment. And, and so I believe that I knew a thing or two about lobster rolls. Yeah. I tried it and I was like, "Oh, that's way better than mine." <laughs> <laughs> so where is it? And I, I, it's it's called Waterman's. All right, it's called Waterman's. I forget what part of Maine, but it, yeah. it, at least it's in Maine. Yep. And it's I think it's on the Bay Side. Okay. Um, and you, I'm not joking. You walk like down this. It's like a. Uh, you go to the end of a dirt road, yep. And then you go to the end of a, a little spit, yep. and it's just sitting there, falling down, and it is awesome. Killer. So. Yeah. So your lobster roll business, mm -hmm. I mean, for, for those that are that, that don't remember it or were not familiar with it, yeah. it essentially worked the way. I mean, this was before social media was a thing right. and before you could, like, you know, tweet at someone that right. you wanted something or whatever. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it operated very much like the way we used to in the olden days, yeah. buy drugs. Right? Yeah. You had to right. basically page a guy. That's right. Page Dr. Claw. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a page. There was no pager, but you're right. It was just texting. Yeah. And it was like, yo, it was like, Dr. Claw, hook it up on the corner. Yeah. And that's how it all went down. And you traded money for money for money the goods. For the and, goods. Yeah. And what was really crazy is that 
all and to this day, all those lobster contacts are still in Dr. Claw's phone. And they are all 617, 508, all New England area. Oh, they're all New England. Because that's how it spread. Right, is that people were like, yo, I got the hookup for the, <laughs> yeah. killer, the yeah. killer shit that's yeah. coming, you know, was, just like the New It was really wild. So um, can, can you reveal a little bit about your lobster roll and about your Yeah, I mean, I method? think, well, I think part of, part of the frustration was like there were people that I knew uh, who were doing a version of a lobster roll that, that, and they had never been to Maine. So my version is not especially like fantastic. It's actually right. the opposite. I was like, what the hell? Like they don't understand that a lobster roll was, was all about proportions. And it's really no different from a Frank that you get at the ballpark. It's like, it has to all take place in that one bite. Yep. And if it doesn't, and I get that people are trying to be chefy and somehow like explain themselves for having like a $40 lobster roll. So they put all this heaping overflowing lobster. Now you can no longer take that bite. You have to eat it with a fork. Right. And you've got a French baguette, which makes no sense whatsoever. And you've got all these greens on it, which if you put lettuce or celery anywhere near my lobster roll, I'll fucking kill you. That's just because then it tastes like celery. Like yeah. celery's so strong. Yeah. It's really strong. I mean, chicken salad, celery, I'm fine with. Totally. Right? Put it in there. Totally. Curry powder. Love it. Yeah. One of my favorite things, yep. but not near my lobster roll. I'm with you. And uh, so I think it was just kind of that. And it was like, it's not really, yes, it's a high priced item. But the reason I believe that it got going is because people would have too much lobster. They had to sell it. They needed a very quick way to like get this in someone's mouth on yeah. the side of the highway. Yeah. And so it was just put in a crappy hot dog bun. Right. Well, the crappy hot dog bun happens to have high fructose corn syrup. It tastes really good with that rich lobster and a little yep. bit of mayo. Yep. And, uh, and so it was so perfect. I'm like, why do these guys mess this now, up? Do you? So having spent a lot of time in Maine, yeah. personally, yeah. Um, for me, yeah. what's very important about a lobster roll, mm -hmm. and actually the, the lobster rolls, I think, underappreciated cousin, the crab mm -hmm. roll, which mm -hmm. to me, you really can only eat in the within the borders of the state of Maine mm -hmm. because the crab meat goes bad goes way bad. too fast. You can't get it yeah. to New York, really. Yeah. It's not, frozen crab meat will not do. Yeah. That, to me, is sort of like the pinnacle, but you really you have to just go buy it in Maine. Yeah. So it, for me, it's a split-top roll mm -hmm. yeah. with flat sides, not, not a the, Martin's nope, roll. I disagree. Oh, really? It's not a J.J. Nissen bun. Everyone really? in New York will tell you it's a J.J. Nissen bun, but there is a better My bun main experience on is, the is market. It's a J.J. Nissen. It is, so. traditionally. Yeah. And if I had been doing a straight-up traditional lobster okay. roll, 100%, I would have gone with the J.J. Nissen. But there is a better roll out there with higher fructose corn syrup, and it just tastes better. And everyone will argue this at the have, end of but time. But does it have flat sides? It doesn't. I am a. Oh. This is where I, I toast... Uh, open, open toast, open toasts down, and then in, so, in a pan with butter. In a pan with butter, right? So that that to me is the other key, right? right? But just, everyone's but everyone's like toasting. That's yeah, not the yeah, deal. You no. got it on a pan with butter, with butter, salted yeah. butter. I yep. even sometimes use a little bit of garlic, a little bit of white wine, but it's face down. So the crunchiness is actually on the inside, oh, the on the and inside. there's a tiny bit of crust. But I don't think it has anything to do with any of this, apart from the fact that. It's a little bit sweeter, that bun. Yeah. My unnamed bun is sweeter. All right. Actually, I'll just... I don't even care anymore. I'll just, what is it? I'll just blow it. It's a Pepperidge Farm, New England top loader. Aha. Uh -huh. It's better than the JJ Nissen. All right. I'm going to go out and get some. So then let's talk about the yeah. filling of yeah. the lobster roll. 
All the meat from the lobster? All the meat from the lobster. Critical. You know, you what want... about the roe? Uh, no, I don't okay. put the, I love roe. I love it, but I don't put it in there. Um, but every, you know, I don't want to get all knuckle. I don't want to get all claw. I want a little bit of like over the top tail just because it's a different taste yeah, and different texture. Totally. Yeah. Um, really nice texture when you have them all combined. Yeah. So people will cheap out on you with the, with the knuckles and the claws, which is a great taste, but it, you need a little, little so, tail. So what I, you know, so now Luke's lobster has started yeah. doing the tail cart yeah. uh, down in battery city. I haven't been, yeah. to, been to visit it yet, but my under, someone told me that the, they understood the reason to be, and I haven't fact checked this with okay. Luke's, that the reason they're doing that is that they believe that actually the lobster is better with all knuckle and claw. Huh. So they were trying to figure out to do with the tails that's a hundred percent bullshit and so they started the tail <laughs> cart because they found themselves with all these tails hundred percent bullshit because you can make so much more money on tail meat that is exactly yeah. what i thought of I, course it seemed like it really seemed a little bit suspicious that's suspicious seems but suspicious um i will say that where i maybe i love those guys by the way um and i and i and i get along well with most of the lobster folk in the in this town but i will say that uh I think that the lobster meat at Luke's is too cold and it should be heated up to hot, but not like not steamy hot and then brought down in temperature just a little bit so that it's releasing more lobster in your mouth. Sure. I mean, yeah, we didn't talk about, about temperature yeah. of They call filling. it a Connecticut roll, which makes me really angry. Yeah. But I do think that, like, <laughs> it just needs to be a little bit above. It's bad if it's below know, room temperature. but I mean, the Connecticut, like, waspy thing, those people are really cold, right? <laughs> I mean, like, have you ever dated a girl from Connecticut? I mean... Um, yes, actually. <laughs> um, New London. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean that—that's yeah. an interesting point. I mean, I—I I prefer yeah. my crab rolls, my lobster rolls, yeah. for the filling to be room temperature. Yeah, I don't like it super cold. No, I don't because, like it right out of the but, fridge I mean, onto the hot roll. You are a, a chef and a oh, don't food guy and a whatever. <laughs> but like, there is—you n- can never make the argument that flavor releases in the cold. In the cold, right? It just doesn't. Yep. I, I don't understand. So, like, I get uh, so in a way, I'm like a traditionalist with the lobster roll, but in a way, I'm not because I really do think that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So, you have a Kickstarter going. <sighs> you got me real fine up on lobster rolls. Oh, by the way, yes, yes, we need to get Doctor Claw back. This right. Is, so, so, yeah. th- so there's a Kickstarter before the yep. catastrophe that is yep. currently going to take up most of your time. Right. Um, you built a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. That is kitted out as a lobster. Looks exactly like a lobster. It's all leather. You rode it from Canada. Canada. In the middle of winter. In the middle of winter. Back to New York. Yeah. <laughs> 45 miles an hour. I mean, it's 200 cc, 250. What is it? 110. 110. Okay. So real slow. Yeah. Does about 45, 50. So it's 49. only slightly faster than a lobster. I've never seen it above 50. All 49. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, um, and and the, the Kickstarter is yeah. to fund essentially getting Dr. Claw to sort of come back out of his receding into the full underground. So exactly. When uh, the authorities shut down the underground lobster pound, they found me, but Dr. Claw was nowhere to be found. And, uh, I and they didn't just, even know that he was part of it, right? Well, he wasn't I, on any of the documentation. Uh, well, or, no, actually, what, what happened is a notice came from the Department of Health, and it said to Benjamin F.W. Sergeant, DBA, the lobster push a man, and Dr. Claw. So they were trying to cover, 
you know, in case I said, I have no idea who this Dr. Claw is, or I have no idea who the Lobster Pusher Man is, right. they were like, da, 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 da. and there was three pages of citations. So the entire time was about two years of my doing lobster and Was there a sting? Like, did they get the number and texts and well, it went lobster rolls? No, I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling that, uh, what's it? Is it Square? Not Squarespace. What's the one where you become like mayor of a place? Oh, um, you know what I'm talking about. I do, but I'm it's so that, about this. It's that one. So that, I think some not so smart person who happened to love what I was doing started checking in, checking in and pinpointed where the operation was, so, which, which I mean, you wouldn't do that to your, to your dealer. Just didn't think you wouldn't about be it. like, I, I get know. the best weed on the exactly. corner. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, I was like, it's the only time in my life that. I've ever made money, but I had no overhead and I had uh, an unbelievable amount of uh, customer business. And I just, I wish that person hadn't done that because I I would still be, Dr. Claw would probably still be in my life and we'd be still making a lot of money. Chase Bank, my advisor at Chase Bank asked me, she sat me down she's like, Ben, she's like, don't take this the wrong way, but um, we're just, I just need to like, need to know what you do for a living. And I think she thought like it's just drugs yeah. because I would come you're just in depositing with wads of cash. Of cash. Yeah. And I was like, oh Debbie is her name. I was like, Debbie, it's not what you think. <laughs> and I told her and she was like, get out of here. She's like, you just gained yourself 30 new customers. And then Chase Bank became my customers. It was nuts. The whole thing was absolutely insane. Well we're we're running out of time yeah. here, but I want to make sure so the Kickstarter is still live. The Kickstarter right? is live. We have five more days to go. We've uh, raised twenty thousand dollars and it's basically it's like a live cooking show where you guys the supporters get to actually taste the food my frustration with cooking channel food network is you're looking at the tv salivating yep. you don't get to eat the food yeah that was this is using a little bit of periscope and uh, a dr claw app to put you on these secret locations and i can guarantee that uh if you guys fund this project dr claw will come back to you all in some form well, I'd definitely get on there and check it out. So if people go on to Kickstarter and search for Dr. Claw. The Hunt for Dr. Claw. K-L-A-W. K-L-A-W. Is there a, uh, there must be a radio station in the West, K-L-A-W, right? You're probably right. Damn it. <laughs> should look it up. If right. not, you really, you know. This is W-K-L-A-W. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so everybody, I mean, get on there, check it out. Oh, by the uh, way, you're, you're a supporter. I should say that, that you've been a, yes. a huge, so, yeah. Yeah, I Thank mean, I you. I want Doctor Claw to return. Um, <laughs> I you know I I hope that we can perhaps get you to, you know, in in between uh, you know raising the Titanic as it yeah. were, and and all these other things yes. to come, and perhaps uh, at the Brooklyn Kitchen maybe we can have a lobster roll. That would be amazing party. I can't promise um, Doctor Claw because he's very shy, but you sure. can get me anytime. Yeah, but we can get you to come and do some lobster roll definitely, stuff with us there. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And. Uh, so thank you, Ben, for, for thank coming on. You. And, uh, thank you. And, know, you. Best of luck. If anybody if anybody has any, uh, you know, has a giant crane or anything that can help them raise the would houseboat, be amazing. Uh, you know, definitely get in touch, yep. uh, please. So yep. thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears. A big thank you to Kristen Baylor, who's my producer, and David Tattashore, who engineers this show every Wednesday. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Foodballer, and you can follow Ben on Instagram. I think it's Ben and Dr. Claw. I never remember. At Ben and Dr. Claw. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> great. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.